Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. On this episode, I have voice artist Tim Campbell. He's a baritone I met at LA Opera some years ago. But until recently, I had no idea that he makes a very good living narrating audiobooks. I think I have listened to maybe one or two audiobooks in my entire life, so I was very uh, excited to have him on the show. I'm always interested to hear how people earn a living using their voice, especially in a way that I have no knowledge about. So uh, he has narrated, I don't know, 125, 130 books, uh, which are available on audible.com. Amazon.com and iTunes. Um, oh, I also just looked at his website and he has got this terrific page of samples of him reading in different genres, different accents. And I've got to tell you, I was really blown away. So I'd love it if you'd go to his website and check it out. I know you're going to love it. It's www.timcampbell.me. That's T I M C A M P B E L L dot M E. I was so impressed with his talent, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy it, so please check it out. Um, I think it's a great interview. I hope you enjoy it, and as usual, thank you so very much for listening. A few days ago, I was looking around for guests, and I've got a list of guests, and uh, I was thinking about, I, I think maybe you posted something on, yeah, you posted something on Facebook, and you post a lot on Facebook about, <coughs> excuse me, about um, your book stuff. And I just I think that's really interesting. Uh, so you do you've done 130 something titles as a narrator, mm -hmm. and um, how did you get into that? What how did that start? Um, well, first of all, let me go back. How did you get into music? That's number <laughs> one because I think everything kind of comes out of out of studying voice and using your voice. And do, are your parents yeah. musical at all? Yeah, my yeah? dad sings. My mom sang uh, when she was younger. Uh huh. Um, my uncle John actually studied with Seth Riggs back in like the seventies oh, here kidding. in LA. Oh, that's funny. Um, and he still sings all around town. My, my uncle John actually works more in LA than I do in like musical theater now and stuff like that down in, he's down in Temecula, but, um, Oh yeah, I know Temecula. So I come from to from a musical family and I started piano when I was younger. And oh, wow. That led into, um voice lessons just after middle school and where were you where were you growing up seattle and oh in seattle mm -hmm. okay so i started voice and then i decided i wanted to spend more time working on voice than i did on um on piano, piano. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. i was horrible at piano and I'm yeah me too still horrible at piano. me too man <laughs> I, I think once you i think your brain just needs to make connections that mine never did yeah <laughs> um so i started off that you know doing musicals in high school and everything like uh -huh. that i was actually i played a lot of sports growing up and i still do and i yeah you're a soccer guy yeah, yeah i played uh -huh. lots of soccer uh -huh. i grew up playing baseball pretty seriously uh -huh. and i actually had to choose i think it was sophomore year whether to <laughs> do the musical that season or to quit or to do the baseball team uh -huh. and i quit the baseball team and they went on and won the first state championship ever for our high school oh in baseball. God. Okay. So they all were like, way to go. You, you finally, you know, you were the thing that was holding us back. So that's kind of how I got into to music was through theater. 
um, which I think most of us do coming out of high school. Um, yeah, yeah. And then went to school at Pepperdine on a theater scholarship. Uh-huh. Um, did you now? Did you apply to a bunch of schools? Or, I did. Or yeah. Was Pepperdine one of the one one of um, your top choices? Or Pepperdine <laughs> was one of the top choices. I applied to a bunch of liberal art, liberal arts schools, mm -hmm. and then I applied to a bunch of conservatories because mm -hmm. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go to a conservatory and yeah. just study theater Same with me, yeah. or whether I wanted to get a degree in journalism right. and a minor in theater or something like that. Right. So Pepperdine um recruited me the heaviest i got into boston conservatory and the juilliard and to a couple other places but they were i was either waitlisted for scholarships or they got back to me really late about mm -hmm. scholarships mm -hmm. um and pepperdine was like we're gonna give you our max scholarship we're gonna give you the dean scholarship so my parents were like if you get pepperdine to be cheaper than in-state tuition yeah then go wherever you want to go yeah so yeah i ended up in malibu that's but, nice yeah so I went on a theater scholarship, and then I, I immediately um, decided that I wanted to study opera as well. Okay. Um, so I, you, I mean, did you have experience in opera at all not, at that point? Not really, yeah. besides, you know, 24 <laughs> Italian songs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in and the three school. tenors concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I was studying with Henry Price, who was a big-time tenor back in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm great guy mm -hmm. uh really wonderful human being and he really was like you can do this if you want and he got me really excited about it and so i decided to audition for cozy fantute mm -hmm. sophomore year and so basically i made a contract major which was they didn't have a musical theater major so uh -huh. i did a contract between a theater major and a music major oh that's interesting. so i basically got a double major minus one class from each major okay um and I also did a classics minor in their Great Books Colloquium. So I read lots of philosophy and really? stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so between all of those degrees and studies, you you know. You so I ended up. Four bucks and you get a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up at Starbucks. Yeah. Um, so then I was recruited. I applied to a bunch of different places for grad school. And the only place that offered me a fellowship, because I, I couldn't afford to pay for it, mm -hmm. was USC. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to USC straight after Pepperdine and studying music there and also on a teaching fellowship. So I taught voice there for four years. Oh, I didn't know that. Who, so, who was your teacher at USC? Um, the first two years was Gary Glaze. Uh -huh. And then the second two years was Rod Gilfrey. Sure. But the Rod First year and there, a half, was he? I mean... he was on the tour for South Pacific. Yeah. So I think I had, in two years of studying with Rod, I had about seven lessons with him. Yeah. But it was great because he paid for Steve, W. Stephen Smith, who is his teacher in New York, who was teaching at Juilliard, mm -hmm. to fly out and teach all of his lessons for the, for the three semesters that what? he was gone. So I got about 20 lessons with Steve, which was the best thing that ever happened for me as a singer because he's a phenomenal teacher yeah um so i studied with rod but i mostly studied with steve and yeah. then rod a little bit and whoever else rod would bring in don brinegar taught a couple lessons oh, i studied with wonderful. don yeah i like don yeah okay and so from usc did you go directly to the opera how did you start making a living as a singer right so that's kind of how i started getting into audiobooks is i spent about nine months doing different musicals different smaller concert gigs just here in town um, in LA, here or? in la in seattle mm -hmm. out in san bernardino like mm -hmm. all over the place sure and i was living like on a 
popped air mattress on the floor of Callie and Hayden's apartment. Oh my god! Um, and I was trying to figure out because the singing was going fine, and I'd been an alternate for a couple of the more prestigious young artist programs. So I kind of was like trying to decide whether I wanted to go the young artist route, yeah, or whether I wanted to start making a living in yeah, LA. Yeah. yeah. And, and you didn't you didn't have any desire to move back home, right? Um well, I love Seattle and if if I hadn't at that point been madly in love with my wife, I probably would have just like moved back in with my parents or moved back up to Seattle mm-hmm. and like figured out the next step whether yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to do musical sure. theater or to move to New York, that sure. kind of thing. Sure, sure. Um but I didn't want to leave LA and I knew I wanted to marry Callie, so I wanted to base everything mostly in Los Angeles. Yeah, and she had no desire to move to Seattle. No, 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 <clears throat> not at that point. Yeah. Um, she was finishing up at USC, mm-hmm. and then she was singing with a master crowd regularly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so, so you, in between singing gigs, yeah. I was looking for a way to maybe make a couple extra bucks. You have to. I mean, you can't support yeah. yourself on these little singing gigs. No. It's impossible. I mean, even if you're doing everything that you could possibly do in LA, you're still it's almost impossible to make a living. Yeah. So I started I when I was a teenager written down like my dream jobs list mm-hmm. and I it was like astronaut, professional soccer player, professional baseball player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to direct the Lord of the Rings movies okay. before they were actually a thing. Uh-huh. Like I was like, I'm going to direct the movies of the Lord of the Rings. Um, and none of those were going to pan out. Uh, right, so right. <laughs> my number five on my list from when I was like 13 years old was audiobook narrator. You're kidding. Was not to be a narrator because I was obsessed with listening to audiobooks when I was younger. I worked a lot in the yard doing landscaping. I I was always driving to and from different sports practices and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and working out at the gym. And yeah. And so the only time, and I love reading, I'm a huge fantasy sci-fi nerd. So the only time I could get my reading in was to listen to a book while I was working in the yard or while I was working out or while sure. I was driving to practice. Sure. So I listened to hundreds of books in high school and junior high. Wow. Um, so That's I always so thought funny. it'd be super fun. Yeah. And I don't have any experience with audiobooks at all. So I, I, this is, I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because I, I honestly don't know. I don't think I've ever listened to a book on tape. You know, you're a lot of people are in that same boat. A lot of people are like, you do what? Yeah. You write books. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually the, the fastest growing segment of the publishing industry. And huh. I think second after audiobooks is like adult coloring books. <laughs> but, oh my God. But audiobooks are actually, they're exploding. And I lucked out because, so I was, in between gigs, I was out in San Bernardino doing a Jekyll and Hyde, um, staying with some friends in their office. Yeah, yeah. And they had a USB mic. And I was like, you know, all my other dream jobs kind of not going to happen. Like, I should check out audiobook narrating. So I literally Googled how to how do I become an audiobook narrator? Yeah. Like how to and Google the first thing that pops up is ACX.com which was a contracting site that Audible had launched about two months before that. Uh-huh. Um, it was free, which is probably the only reason I ever did it, because yeah. it was free to make a profile a demo, uh-huh. and to audition. So they had these little five-minute segments for about a 1,000 titles. You could go on, do an audition, email it to the or upload it to the site, and then the author, if they were interested, they would offer you the title. So... I was like sitting in their office one day before rehearsal 
and I was I just decided I was like I might as well you know yeah, yeah, yeah. do some auditions like yeah. see I you know I was sitting in an office like this so there were planes flying like garage doors you could yeah. hear babies crying in the background yeah um and I booked three of my first five auditions I got offered the books what? and I didn't have a studio I didn't know anything and about no audio recording nothing no equipment outside of their little USB mic that they had sitting on their desk. What is it? You mean like one of those Samson? Like ones? a snowball, like a little snowball. Oh, yeah, a little blue. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's funny. So I booked, I had these contracts and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Because yeah. I don't know how to do this. I don't know anything about audio. Because this, to do this, you are, it was as an independent contractor. So I have to do all of my mixing and my mastering and my post-production to do all the prep everything and i'd never narrated a book before yeah. and all of a sudden i had these legal contracts like <laughs> i was like <laughs> oh, i'm man. not gonna turn like down the work just so in over your head all of a sudden yeah yeah so so what happens is i produce the first chapter of these titles with this little usb mic yeah uh -huh. sitting in this office yeah and i send them off for approval because after the audition, you produce a small section of the book and then you send it off so that they can be like, yes, that's great. Or no, try changing it. Or the main character's name is actually pronounced like this or whatever. Right, right. So to make sure that you know what you're doing. Yeah. And the guy was like, this sounds horrible. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, where are you? I yeah. can hear like an airplane in one of these things and there's like someone <laughs> shouting. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I know nothing. <laughs> and luckily at that point it had just started he thought i had promise as dramatically he liked my readings and everything mm -hmm. so he was like i will help you set up your studio i'll help you set up your levels and wow. tell you how to record um what so, equipment to buy all yeah that via a series of emails he basically helped me get to a level that was like good enough for the first couple books until I had enough cash to like get a nicer microphone sure. and to get some soundproofing for the walls and stuff. Sure. So luckily, because they could have fired me really easy. They could have been like, oh, it sounds like crap. We'll hire someone yeah, who knows yeah, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. But he believed in me right. and gave me a shot. And that was my first series. And it's actually funny. I'm not going to name any names, but he's actually now reviled in the audiobook world because he turned out to be kind of a shyster what? and didn't pay some people for some work they did and liquidated his company without telling anyone. Oh, without... This is that Audible affiliate? No, no. Oh, this it's is a, something It's else. just the guy just who some... owns some Audible, some got rights it. to books. Got it, got and it. Sorry, was I misunderstood. Using yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. So anyway, <clears throat> everybody kind of can't stand this guy now yeah. and he's kind of disappeared off the map but he really gave you but he's the reason that, that i'm yeah so, so it's funny because everybody's like i hate that guy and i'm like <laughs> yeah he's not the best but, but he I'm also, here. yeah <laughs> um uh, so that's kind of how i got into it and i mean does it pay well enough to pay the rent um I mean, now yes uh-huh it, it's starting kind of out like rough. any performing art yeah 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 you have you to pay, pay your, your dues. dues you take every book that you take I really, really lucked out in that I got on right when audiobooks started their huge uptick. Sure. And right when Audible had launched this site. So there wasn't a ton of competition. Right. When I got on, there was 50 narrators working regularly and maybe 150 on the site. Now there's 16,000 or something like wow. that. Wow. So, so getting discovered is a little harder now. Yeah. You have to be working before you before you start to submit auditions, you have to have everything at a full professional level and know what you're doing. Yeah. Whereas like, I just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And lucked out. Right. Right. 
Um, so I, my timing was very fortuitous. That said, after I booked those first three contracts, I basically have been working full time. Wow. Um, I have, I, it's kind of one of those things where you end up putting your time and energy into the area that gives you the most yeah. excitement. No, sure. So and the most started, return too. And the I most mean, return. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to all these opera auditions and musical theater auditions and having people be like, yeah, we love you, but we're going to hire this person. Yeah. You sound good, but not good enough. Or will you take $500 for eight weeks? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you've done theater in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. Here's a six week contract. We're going to need you there eight hours a day. Uh, yeah. It's not thousand dollars yeah if that yeah exactly so i was going from that to being offered book after book and having all of the feedback both from the authors and the publishers that i was working working with be very excited like can you do the next book there was a there's a company in florida that i still occasionally work with called ocean view publishing mm -hmm. and they basically just gave me all of their backlist titles they were just like we love you do this one this one this one so they kept me employed for my first year and a half wow um and you got to and and so tell me about the setup at, at your house you already told me but i want i want it to be on tape right <laughs> so the setup at home is i now have a neumann tlm 103 which is a great mic for voiceover stuff because i do commercial voiceover as well now uh -huh. um and that goes into a channel strip which i don't really use for much outside of just making sure there's a little compression because i, I tend to be very committed in my acting. I like a more authentic kind of um, narration style, whereas some people prefer a very like straight monotone delivery. Mm -hmm. um, Who prefers that? Really? So, oh yeah, really? Yeah, major coaches. They they coach that. We we can talk more in a little bit about wow. the different styles of acting and their yeah, and yeah, storytelling yeah. that yeah. are preferred. Yeah, there's kind of a big schism in the industry between stage actors and classically trained people who like a more authentic uh, i feel authentic version and then there's the people who like you to pretend that the microphone is is a human ear that's three inches away and you need to whisper the story into that ear and you can't do too much or it becomes melodramatic uh-huh which i think in any acting whether it's with a microphone or on stage if you do too much it becomes of melodramatic course. so sure. i don't care if it's whispered or if it's shouted it's as long be as tasteful. it's authentic yeah. mm -hmm. and warranted mm -hmm. um so back to music or yeah. where do you well, want to go? Well, what I wanted to get to oh, is yeah, that you equipment. spend all of your time yeah. all day long in a, in a closet, you yes. told me. Yeah, no you, AC. I mean, how do you deal with that? Um, Well. You just do it. Yeah. That's just a matter. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things we, we rent because we live in LA. So it's not like I can build myself a home studio. And once we own a home somewhere, we sure. I probably will sure. make things more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think most people working at my level do have that um but if you don't it sounds so good i don't want to mess with it unless yeah. i have to and yeah yeah and i like standing i had back problems from all the sports i played and knee problems and standing is just good way healthier for yeah. me so i don't need a lot of space yeah honestly you're there you're looking at a screen you're reading so it's not like you're moving around that yeah, much or yeah anything yeah like that. Mm -hmm. so i've got the microphone that goes to a channel strip that goes to an interface and that goes into the computer so um, it's really a simple setup. So you just hit record and start and yeah. you step into the closet. Yep, pretty much. Wow. Um, 
it's really easy. And I think this is part of why the industry has made a huge shift from using sound studios to a lot of it is as independent contractors who have their own studios at home because it's really easy to approximate a really high level of sound sure in a home studio sure Uh, you can get the same especially for spoken word where you're not mixing instruments and Mm -hmm. things like that you can get almost you can get you can buy i can buy the microphone that they use at blackstone or at penguin random house and i can stick it in my closet and there's it sounds amazing yeah so that's right um all of the books i've never actually recorded a book in studio i've only ever recorded in my own in my own studio all hundred all hundred and thirty something of them wow yeah um i would love to start working with directors and in multicast recordings at some point just Mm because i like the collaborative aspects of it Mm -hmm. um but yeah as far as just a straightforward narration of a thriller or something like that you go in the closet and you read it and you send it off for approval basically and you do it basically every day does your how do you take care of your voice i mean i i know as a singer i couldn't sing like that all, all day long every day i mean do you ever get tired do you, yeah what do you do i mean yeah what, you what, do you get, get tired sick or what, what happens you make sure when you're scheduling projects that you build in some safety time so i tend to overestimate for each book i overestimate one day's worth like i'll this is the schedule I give myself, and then I try to run ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you do get tired. You try to use good technique and good vocal technique and good resonance whenever you can. Sometimes characters in spoken word they they call for whispers or you know there's different things yeah. you do vocally that are taxing on your voice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, do you use different voices for different characters? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it depends. There's different. Um, if you're doing a nonfiction book that's quoting historical figures you're probably not going to give them voices you're just going to read the quote Mm -hmm. whereas if you're doing a thriller Mm -hmm. with a crazy psycho killer from wherever you know he's probably you're going to do the accent and the voice to match that yeah yeah like right now i'm working on a young adult fantasy by an author from australia oh my god that's kind of a mix between it's like a fantasy pirate novel. Kind okay. Of. So there's all kinds of salty sea pirates doing the, you know, like the. And you use those voices? And you do. Yeah, I do the pirate voices. Awesome. And there's, you know, characters that have like Scottish accents and characters that have British accents. And yeah. So I do all the accents. And, and did, did you go to coaches to get those accents down or what do you do? Um, No, actually, I have always had a good ear for accents and dialects. And I actually do coach accents and dialects with with actors and narrators and things like that so i've kind of always been able to pick them up fairly fairly quickly and i have a good ear for it i think that's pretty common for singers yeah in general i I agree yeah yeah i think and i have a lot of singers who now do a lot of spoken word stuff because just it's a natural kind of fit yeah for singing they're very parallel in a lot of ways So, so if you go to a big company and say uh Listen, I want to get into reading audiobooks. And by the way, I'm an opera singer. Does that give you a leg up? Do, do their ears perk yeah, up? Yeah, it like, depends oh, who okay. you're talking to. Uh-huh. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fantastic, uh, she's a narrator, but she also owns her own production company now, Amy Rubinate. And she used to sing a lot of like uh, standards and uh, cabaret stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and she loves singers. 
because she thinks they have a better ear for tempo, pacing. Sure. They have more vocal flexibility. They're more likely to have a healthy vocal technique. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pluses for, for singers. Oh, interesting. You'll also get a random casting director who's like, oh, I don't like stage actors. I don't like singers. They do too much. And I just want a really straightforward delivery. Yeah. Um, and that's just a matter yeah, yeah, of yeah, taste, taste, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, preference. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, do you rehearse the books before you I don't, you don't rehearse them. You definitely read them. You read them first. Um, oh. When you're on crazy, crazy strict deadlines. Yeah. Like if you, you know, if you're slammed, what'll happen is you'll do a quick read, which is you don't read every single page, skim it. Yeah. but you, you skim it for all the major characters, plot points, um, there's a whole series of search terms that you do to make sure that every accent for every character that's described, you make sure you're not missing any accents. But you always read the book, whether it's a quick read or an in-depth read. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'll always read the book first. Does that determine what jobs you take? I mean, do you, uh, for instance, do you obviously you prefer to read books that you enjoy, but is that a factor for you, or um, do you ever say no? You know, this just isn't for me. It's not not, a good fit. not really. I'm not at that place in my career yet. Uh -huh. I'm not a Scott Brick or a whatever where you're like, no, I'm only going to read, you know, New York Times bestselling first listers, you know, or, right, you right. know, I, I take every gig that's offered because yeah. I'm still building connections with publishers, different and publishers and, and authors. Mm -hmm. I'm very much still, I mean, I make a great living. Um, I got really lucky and I work with a lot of best-selling independent authors uh -huh. that I started working with very early on in my career yeah. that I didn't know were best-selling independent right, authors. Right, right. And I, you know, I kind of stumbled into a lot of really good luck, which I think is true of anyone that has any success any in of, performing uh, in, arts. In you know, they, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to get lucky a couple of times. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I started working with an author about my 10th or 15th book named Scott Pratt, who's an independent author in East Tennessee whose books have sold, I mean, over a million copies now. And I didn't know he liked me. He liked my audition. I didn't know anything about him. I just saw, oh, it's got a stipend. Like, it'll pay me a little bit money up front. Um, and I auditioned. And that book has accounted for, like, I don't know, something like 50, 60% of all my sales of all time is his books. So do you work on... Uh... A flat fee or a royalty schedule or how does that how do you there, get compensate it there are a lot of different audiobooks like you said not a lot of people know about it it's yeah it's not really a highly regulated industry yet okay a lot of the work with the main all the work with the mainstream production companies so when i do a title for like tantor or brilliance they will be on a sag after a wage so they'll pay a certain per finished hour sure, fee sure. and then right. they'll pay Scale. your yeah and then they'll pay into your sag after retirement fund which is great then there's this whole segment of the industry which is independent publishing which is exploding right now but which audible which the different companies have no regulation over yeah yeah so it's non-union yeah what I'm saying. it's yeah. basically non-union <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. work so you can charge whatever you want uh-huh um so some of the books i work for on royalties so i'll end up getting 20 percent of the sale price for every book that's sold mm -hmm. um every audiobook yeah 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 so and some of them i get paid up front i say this is my per hour fee mm -hmm. that qualifies for sag -Aftra. And then some of them, I do a hybrid where I'll say, I'll work for royalties, but I need some upfront money to fund the project because you don't have an established track record. So I don't know that the book is going to sell Just to cover the well. risk. Yeah. 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 So That's I work on a whole broad scale. And what I try to do is about 
half and half best-selling royalty deals, which are long-term income for me and my family. Yeah. And then, and then the rest of them in between those are SAG after qualifying upfront money deals. And you negotiate that all yourself? Yeah, I do. But it's not that hard because at, I'm at a point where I can say this is my rate and you can pay it or you can't and I'll get someone else to get me a project that's yeah, going to yeah, pay yeah. my rate. Yeah. Whereas when I was starting out, it was like, sure, I'll yeah, do whatever. it. You know? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> so you definitely pay your dues. I think the difference... I don't want to be gauche and list numbers, but I think I, the difference between what I made the first year and the second year doubled, and then that doubled again the third year, then that's probably going to double again this year. Wow. So, it, so that really is your primary source of income now. Oh, by far. Wow. Yeah. I was laughing last year that I did a six-week rehearsal and production of um, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I did a leading role. Yeah. And I made... One, eighty one eightieth of my yearly income for that six weeks of a of a major role oh in theater, and everything else was books and and singing gigs and things like That's that. That's unbelievable. Yeah, people don't realize how big audiobooks are becoming. They're a major media now in the United States and around the world. Um, but there's still not a lot of mainstream recognition in popular culture. Like, not a lot of people would see. Scott Brick is always the example because he's super famous. Yeah. It, within narrator circles, yeah, yeah. he's super famous. Yeah. But you wouldn't see him on the street and no oh one would God. be like, oh my no, God, Scott, Scott Brick. Brick. Yeah. But that's a great business. When narrators to be in, man. run into him, they're like, oh my God, it's Scott Brick. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And he makes a great living. And a, I mean, a lot of people are working full time as actors doing amazing work on yeah. really fun projects. Yeah. Um, and it's great. And part of me is like, I don't want anyone to find out because, you know, it's such a great gig and it's so much fun. But it is definitely growing. And, and more and more, I'm having friends come to me asking how to get started. And yeah. I mean, how what advice do you have to people? What, what, I mean, what advice do you have to give people now? Uh, now that it's looking, so competitive, looking back and, and I mean, if you were to start today, what, what what's right. the advice? The advice I would give you now would be to go and take a class with a great audiobook narrator like PJ Auckland does classes. He lives in the Valley, but he teaches sometimes at UCLA, teaches classes at Dion Audio. Mm -hmm. Go to Dion Audio, go to one of the studios in LA mm -hmm. and just get some basic training because it's very different. And I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And now when you I learn listen to way. my first yeah. books, I'm like, oh, it's horrible. Like, yeah. I don't like want what? anyone to hear it. Like what, what's horrible about it? The way you're speaking, I just the way don't, you're recording? Yeah, I don't, like the, I don't like the pacing. There's inconsistencies in the way I'm delivering things. The audio quality is really bad because uh -huh. I was teaching myself sound recording sure. while I was learning how to be a narrator. Sure. And being a narrator, it's acting. Good acting is good acting, whatever your acting form that it's taking, whether you're singing or whether you're speaking into a microphone. But there are different technical things that allow you to give a better performance that you I just didn't know about and no one told me about because I had no training. Like what in particular? Um, I didn't know that you could get a channel strip, which would add just a tiny bit of compression so that I wouldn't have to modulate all of the things in my own vocal cords. Mm -hmm. So when I was screaming, not that you shouldn't be able to do that yeah, because yeah. it's a valid storytelling technique and you should be able to do everything. But yeah. 
But the idea that there was that I could just talk and not have to control every sound I was making freed me up health wise vocally freed yeah. me up and other things just pacing wise the we don't honestly don't a lot of the times have an accurate idea of what we sound like that's right so i'd be going back going through editing and be like oh i hate the way i delivered that why did i put the inflection on that word i didn't think i was doing a weird inflection when i read it yeah um and then do you go back and re-record it what do you do yeah oh okay. you would but okay. a lot of times <clears throat> Just like now when I listen to something from three or four years ago, just like if you were to listen from an old yeah, recording as a singer, you're sure. like, oh, technically oh, I, I could sing that so much better now. Um, I'm like, I could do that book so much better. Th that character would be, I would have a way better accent and that character a would be much more direct. And, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you learn. So any getting back to starting out, um, definitely take a class or have someone listen to you, have someone give you some guidance. Mm hmm take a class in sound design or just go on and really there so, everything yeah. is free now yeah, you yeah, can yeah. get <laughs> you can become a sound designer basically on youtube videos yeah. if you really look for it, the good ones yeah teach yourself how it's not that hard facebook me facebook other people you know that are full-time sure. working narrators or voice actors and say how do i use... break into this yeah yeah how mm -hmm. do i use my microphone i bought this expensive microphone and i soundproofed my room what do i do now yeah and we'll help you get set up we'll yeah. help you yeah see this room is not soundproof well <laughs> on a hot day like today i have to leave the windows open because i go crazy so that's great we hear, hear all sorts of things going by <laughs> that's why podcasts are way more fun well i don't know about that but yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's noisy <laughs> um but mainly, I would say just do it. Go out, start reading books. Just you pick up a book and read it. You might find out that you get three hours into your, a book and you're like, I hate this. Yeah, I, I don't do want to do this. Yeah. It's not an easy job. It's not, you don't just grab a book and go sit in a closet and read. Yeah. Which is, you know, a lot of people are like, you read books. Like, a lot of authors don't understand. They're well, like, it's the same as singers. People say, well, what else do you do? You just sing songs? I'm like, yeah, you know, it took 20 years to, <laughs> I had to, to do it well. Italian and, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say go do it. Read. Record yourself reading. Edit your recordings before you it. ever submit to a publisher or an author. Yeah. And then go on a place like ACX, which now doesn't have necessarily the quality of titles it was supposed to be an outlet for a lot of the main publishers to get their backlisted titles out to the market mm -hmm. that titles that weren't worth hiring out a major studio sure but that still could sell sure. by and it's become more of an outlet for new and beginning independent authors you can still find great books on there mm -hmm. and you can still use it as a tool mm -hmm. like i work with some i think about 10 different USA Today best-selling authors on ongoing series. Yeah. And they they don't put their stuff on there anymore to have people audition. They just put it on there for me to do the contractual stuff to get the deal with Audible and we just go. Got it. So we use it as a tool as opposed to going on and doing a ton of auditions. That kind right, of thing. right, right. But when you're just starting out, I would say go on, do a ton of auditions, do a whole run, the whole gamut of styles and titles find out what feels best in your voice, find out what you get the best response back for your auditions yeah. and kind of head in that direction. Yeah, yeah. There's no, 
no class you take will actually prepare you for doing right. the job fully. Yeah, that's so. the case in all all of the arts. I mean, it's a, it really is blue collar work. You've got to get out there and just do it until you do it well. Yeah, and if you don't enjoy it, you got to do something else quick because I mean, you can't just. That's not the kind of work that you're going to be successful at if you don't really enjoy no. it. You have to be so passionate about it because that's the thing. I'm gonna. I worked probably 60, 70 hour weeks, six days, like you know eight to 10 to 12 hours a day, six days a week Wow! for the first two years I was doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously with flexible hours, yeah. if, if a singing gig comes up, I take the singing gig, I work yeah. my, but I just recorded, even if a book wasn't going to sell that well, I knew it was a valuable experience. I just sucked it up. I did it. Luckily I have a beautiful genius of a wife who was able to support us between her master crowd gigs and teaching mm -hmm. with my singing gigs and then the little bit that I was starting to make on books. Yeah, but so, you saw, did you see very early on that there was a path to uh, financial success with this thing? I mean, is yeah. it not like singing? For me, singing, I don't see that. It's it's kind of still, yeah. am I gonna get hired or <laughs> like, what's happening? There, There is a much, when you're working at the top level, and this is coming from a classical background, there's a there's more money to go around at the top level and of more course. work to do. Sure. You know, there's what, 35 Agma opera companies in the yeah. United States yeah, or whatever it is. And there's, you know, tens of thousands of audiobook titles that need producing. That's it. So, and there's a lot more money. Publishing is big business. Yeah. And audiobooks are the fastest growing seg segment of in, that in publishing. Mm -hmm. So... They're becoming huge business, which is great for those of us that got in at the right at the beginning of that uptick in popularity, mm -hmm. because we're kind of riding that wave right now. And eventually the talent pool is going to get large enough to level out again to the demand of the books. Right. But so it's still kind of the ground floor for for people yeah. in your business. I mean, it's harder still... now than it was last year. And yeah. it was harder last year than the year before. Sure. But there's still a lot of opportunity. But there is a lot of opportunity. But the thing is, you have to be just like in any other art form, you have to be super passionate because you're going to have to pay your dues at whatever level. Sure. Um, we were laughing the other day. We were at a party with a bunch of audiobook narrators up in Tarzana, Woodland Hills. And we walked out of the party to drive home and we, this woman was standing in the driveway and she was like, oh, where are you guys going? Like, it's going to take 45 minutes for Uber to get here and take me home. Like, can I get a ride with you? just back to wherever you live and then I'll, I'll go to North Hollywood from Sherman Oaks. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, sure, yeah, of course, jump on, jump in the Prius. And we, as we're driving, she's like, how many books have you done? I was like, oh, around 130, 135. And I was like, how many have you done? Like, who do you work with? She's like, oh, I've only done one. I'm doing my second one now. But that first one got nominated for an Audi Award, which I'd never heard of, but I guess it's like the Oscars. Of, and, I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, a lot of people are really angry at me because like, they've been doing this for 20 yeah. years and they've yeah, never yeah, been yeah. nominated for an audio award. And she's like, I just had an acting friend who was like, you should try this and you can do a you Romanian a, accent. You have a pleasant voice. And yeah. they needed a Romanian <laughs> accent. Yeah. And she booked it and then it was amazing. And she got nominated for best audiobook in like faith and spirituality or something like that. And that's a big deal. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like being nominated for best that's actor. The top, it's the top yeah. of that business. Wow. So we were laughing because 
I was just talking with someone about paying your dues, how we were just starting to break into mainstream publishing and working with better and better authors and how great it was. And then we like ran into her and of she's course. like, oh, I only did one. The, the like, one yeah. outlier in the whole <laughs> yeah, business. But for most people, you pay your dues, you do the gigs, and sometimes a book bombs. And even if it's a good book, the author might not have a lot of money to put into marketing, uh -huh. and, you know, and it might sell 15 copies. So essentially you're making $40 for two weeks of work. Now who like, does all the, like the Harcourt and Penguin and the, well, the you know, the big- who, Macmillan, the, Penguin, Random House, um, all of those places have their own production company like in house with studios. Yeah. I see. So like Penguin Random House, I had an audition the other day for a Penguin Random House title. Uh huh. Um, is that the next level for you? Yeah, it is. Uh -huh. it, that's like right now I'm working with best-selling indie authors, and then almost an equal amount with um, Tantor, B Audio, and Brilliance Audio and Audible Studios, which are like the next level, mm -hmm. but they still hire me as an independent contractor. So yeah. they, they have guidelines for their audio. We want the levels like this. So I record at their levels and I just send it off and then they do the editing. Oh, nice. And they do the post-production yeah. and then they send me corrections. I make the corrections and then they put it up. Mm -hmm. So I'm still working from my studio. And then the next level after that is stuff for Macmillan Audio, Penguin Random House, Recorded Books, Mm -hmm. which is you go into their studio, you have a director and a producer and multiple editors. And they're all there. Yeah, and they're all there to work with, with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, stop, try that line a different way. And, oh, you know, it's God. a much more so luxurious, collaborative. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so ideally, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff at home, but then you have some fun projects with directors at major companies. And then you've got your royalty authors and you're kind of putting it all together from different areas. So do you see by the end of, uh, by the end of the year, that's something that will happen for you? Is that, is that Hopefully, what you're shooting for? Yeah. You know, last year, my goal was to get a con, uh, a contract with a mainstream publisher. publisher mm -hmm. And I did that with B audio and then immediately. So this year was like, okay, I want to start to work m about 50, 50 and within a couple months I had contracts from Tantor and B and Harper Collins and now uh, my first titles with brilliance are coming up. So mm -hmm. that goal has been accomplished. So there's not always a clear way. Okay. How's this going to happen? But right, I've right. started to meet, you go to the industry functions, you meet nice people, you connect are a real human yeah, yeah, being yeah. and connect with them. And they're yeah. like, Hey, you know, that, that's a nice guy. Like, let's see what he's doing. Yeah. And so, yeah, hopefully in the next year or so I'll start doing, go up to that next level and mm -hmm. if not you know different people's careers move at different paces and i'm actually it's interesting that i'm kind of going the opposite direction of a lot of people in the industry whereas i started working with independent authors yeah and now i've kind of become more mainstream yeah a lot of people do a lot of mainstream work but it's not enough to pay the bills you know I they see. have maybe 20 titles a year, 10 titles a year. Sure. So not enough to make like a full-time living. So sure. like, how do I record more at home? How do I get more work? You know, yeah. I have, I'm working with Penguin Random House, but I only have five titles from them a year and that's not enough to do any, like, so yeah. a lot of people are trying to figure out how to go the opposite direction. And meanwhile, I'm like, you work with Penguin Random House. Like, <laughs> how do I do that? Yeah. Um, so it's very similar to theater or music where you have to, piece your different sources of income where you're getting the projects all together from all the different places yeah 
And on top of that, you know, you're doing commercial VO, voiceover stuff. And when you are, you know, you have a day or two downtime from a book. Or I would you, imagine that's the most lucrative, right? That is the most lucrative, but it's also way more competitive sure. and way more subjective. You know, there's, yeah, yeah. you have to get a gig and you have to get your audition in within the first 10 minutes or there's 150 auditions and they're never going to listen to yours. And so that's kind of like something I don't really pursue I, I love narrating, so I put all my energy into narrating, sure. basically. Sure. And when I'm not narrating, I'm singing. Uh-huh. So that takes up a lot of my time. Yeah. So it's basically, for me, the voiceover is like when a friend's like, you have a microphone, like, do you want to do this Hot Wheels commercial for us? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've gotten to do some cool stuff, but it's almost all just people I know that are like, hey, want to do a gig. So kind of one-offs. I don't yeah. really pursue it as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. You know, it's interesting coming at narration from a singing background yeah. and a music background. Yeah. There are so many parallels in both the industry and in the way you approach technique and performance yeah. that you wouldn't ever think. So really singers have a big leg up. Yeah, I mean, a really any any professional stage actor, yeah. performer, whether it's musical theater, opera, stage. Straight, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they all have a kind of sense of pacing and delivery and emphasis that will give them a huge leg up over say someone coming from the broadcast or radio world. Right. Because those are like the two ways that people get in. Uh -huh. And I've got to say that there seems to me a big preference for people coming from the arts as opposed to people coming from Broadcast. broadcasting. Oh, that's interesting. Because of the way they use the words. It's uh -huh. not about the sound of the voice. It's more about the, the delivery inflection. of the words and the communication. Huh. Um, and I would say that... A lot of people are like, I have a great voice. I, I should be in voiceover. Yeah. Or I have, you know, people say I have a deep, like a lot of people have a really deep, luxurious voice. Like I should read books. Sure. And I would say just like in singing, the voice, even less than in singing, the voice is maybe 20% of what it takes to be a good narrator. You have to have research skills. You have to be well-read. You have to be... A good storyteller. A I'd good imagine. storyteller. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, mm -hmm. storytelling is a huge part. Yeah. There are narrators that have won 50 earphone awards that don't have great voices, but they're so good at Compelling. telling a story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're so committed. They're so good at characterizations. There's a lot of skills that go way beyond the voice quality. Yeah. Endurance, being able to talk for eight hours Jeez, a day. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't even, I, I mean, I, I'm tempted to even try it, but I, I don't know if I could do that for eight hours. I guess you learn how to do it. You do learn how if to do it. You stay hydrated. You yeah. drink a lot of water. Yeah. And as a singer, you, you have a better idea of what is taxing and not taxing your voice. Sure. A lot of, because we spend all our time in our heads being yeah, like, yeah. is my voice perfect today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You learn to be able to tell when your voice is, okay, you know, I'm starting to get dry. My larynx is starting to rise. My yeah. voice is starting to go up in pitch. I need to take a little break, drink some water, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so just that awareness of the instrument itself is real will give you a good sense of whether you think you sure. can do it or not. Sure, sure. Oh, that's great, man. That's great information. I'm I'm really glad you came over today. I learned a lot about about this business. I anyway. Thanks, well, brother. Well, thanks, Omar. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too. Well, that was Tim Campbell, everybody. Very nice guy. Very interesting too. I really enjoyed that conversation, and I hope you did too. I want to thank Greg Geiger for my theme song. I love it. 
check them out at laclassical.com. And uh, I really hope you check Tim's stuff out. But in case you don't, I'm just going to post a little bit right here so you just can't avoid it. Also, I don't know if you noticed, I was clearing my throat a lot. I'm really sorry about that. I, I was just getting over a cold. And you know you got to stay on schedule. The show must go on, everybody. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great Monday. See you next time. I am Penumbra, he nodded. And I am the custodian of this place. I didn't quite realize I was going to say it until I did. I'm looking for a job. Penumbra blinked once, then nodded and tottered over to the desk set beside the front door. It was a massive block of dark world wood, a solid fortress on the forest's edge. You could probably defend it for days in the event of a siege from the shelves. Employment? Penumbra nodded again. He slid up onto a chair behind the desk and regarded me across its bulk. Have you ever worked at a bookstore before? Well, I said. When I was in school, I waited tables at a seafood restaurant, and the owner sold his own cookbook. That probably doesn't count. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius! Get onto my show.